All right, John chapter 14 tonight is where we'll start. And uh, I asked the Lord just with the um, us remembering the Lord's table here tonight, just if he wanted me to focus on anything else uh, rather than uh, the, our Samuel series. And he did. And the Lord just brought to mind some things that the Lord has been teaching me in my personal devotions and I trust that there'll be a blessing here tonight. On Sunday mornings, we've been going through uh, just three basic yet profound gifts and reasons why we should be, uh, why, why Christmas should be important to us. Uh, the, the gifts of the redemption story, the, the great peace from the one who is the Prince of Peace, uh, the, the everlasting and overwhelming joy that God has given to us to experience during this season because of what he has done for us. And then here's a sneak peek, but this coming week, the culmination of God's love to us as, as he has died for us and has provided that free gift. But when, when, we, uh, when we come to a point in our life where Christmas becomes monotonous and we are as this passage will will mention the word troubled we start to lose sight of what christmas really is and we actually without even knowing it disobey one of the lord's commands to us before he left this earth let's look at john chapter 14 verse 1 it says this the command of the lord jesus christ is let not your heart be troubled and as a Christian, when, if we can come to a point, if we're troubled about something, some person, some condition, some circumstance in our life during Christmas time, we can begin to believe a lie that it must be that I can never experience those things to the fullest anymore because of my thing or my circumstances or my condition or this person in my life. And, it, and I've seen believers even in rare cases in my own life go beyond that lie to even believe something else in those circumstances. They go from believing that it just simply that they can't experience those to the fullest because of whatever situation in their life to then believing that if they did experience God's love, God's peace, God's joy to the fullest, they would be doing somehow a disservice to that thing, person, condition, or circumstance in their life. And my friends, that ought not be in the believer's life. We ought to obey God and not be troubled because when a Christian who is troubled whether knowing or subconsciously troubled in their spirit, tries to then minister into another person's life, they begin to try to minister out of an empty well where living water should be flowing out of their life. And so this is something that the Lord has been teaching me. Skip down to, we'll come back, but skip down to verse four, uh, 27 of chapter 14 is where Jesus uses the example of his peace. He says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And here he reiterates this command. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God desires a relationship with each one of his children that begins and ends with faith. Do we really reflect him or have we become complacent and content with being troubled at Christmas time because of that person, that thing, that condition, or that circumstance in our life. And so I want to share with you just what the faith of the Lord has, has brought me to just in this short passage here tonight, and then also just some encouragement from a devotional that the Lord has been teaching me. In verses 2 and 3 of, of chapter 14, we find that, that the, the faith that God, we can have faith that he is and will be faithful to us. We can have that great joy and that great peace because we have a God who is faithful. He says this, Jesus says this, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And I focus not so much on just the, the single promise that he lays out there, although it's very important that one day, because of the victory of Jesus Christ that he won on the cross, he will come again for you. He will do that. And you can be joyful and rejoice and, 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 and live in the love and the peace and the joy of God because of that. But it's not just this promise that is true. He is faithful to... to follow through on all of his promises that he has given to us. And of course, Thomas here is not understanding this. He's wondering what is the way. And in verse 5, he says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? I'm telling you tonight, as a believer, you have the unique privilege of knowing that way. And that way is spelled with a capital W. His name is Jesus Christ. We can have faith tonight, not just because he's faithful, but that because you can truly know him and therefore show to the fullest his peace, his joy, and his love. Jesus, verse, verse 6, says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If he had known me, you should, have known, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And we can have the faith of God tonight. We can live our lives by faith because we can truly know him as our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can have faith and know that he is the way and that we can by him experience to the fullest Christmas how it's supposed to be experienced and shown. We can also have faith tonight that he is all we need to be satisfied. Verses 8 and 9 show us this. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. It will be sufficient for me, Lord, if you show me who the Father is. And by our Lord's answer in verse 9, he shows us that he's not angry, but that he is hurt. Look at verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip. Now, I think the Lord, when we decide to allow that thing, person, condition, circumstance to trouble us, and we disobey our Lord's command of let not your heart be troubled, 
And it could be something very close that hurts us. But when we disobey the Lord's command to not let our hearts be troubled, I believe it hurts the Lord. You say, Pastor, you don't know how much I'm hurting. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that your choice, whether knowingly or subconsciously, to say, no, Lord, I'm not going to obey your command. I'm going to hold on to my hurt and allow it to even change the way I naturally do things or remember Christmas, I believe that, above all things, hurts the Lord. I believe it hurts Him when you don't allow His peace, His joy, to be overwhelming in your life. And God needs, God needs to win the day here in your life tonight. He says this in verse 9, he, sa- he hath seen me, he that hath seen me, hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Tonight, as you think about those things, maybe that hurt you in your life, those things cannot truly satisfy. Even if you did have all of those longings that you once did, those things or those people or those conditions or those circumstances that you're after, they actually cannot truly provide the longing that you desire to be satisfied. Family cannot truly satisfy. Things cannot truly satisfy. And our longings for what don't truly satisfy is what hurts our God. That's what we saw with Philip right there. I want you to turn over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And I'm going to remind you of something that was shown to you at salvation, but that should satisfy you right now. John chapter 4, verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, who is her? That's the Samaritan woman that he met at the well there. He says to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. That's the water of life that satisfies us. That is what should be satisfying you tonight. Should be filling filling your, your, your deepest desires. Jesus Christ. We can have faith tonight that he is all we need to be satisfied because he is almighty. Look at verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? And I don't know if this was said in a snarky way or in a, where do you think you're going to get this living water? And I know that this is an unbeliever that's speaking to Jesus, but I want to make an application to believers here tonight. It ought not be that a troubled believer comes to the point where they tell God that he has nothing to draw with or that the well of their life is too deep for God to fill. Or to reach into. That God can't do what he says he can do. I want to look at the, uh, the page that I gave you. And I understand that some of this language might be a little bit more up above your head. This is written by a man named Oswald Chambers from a book called My Utmost for His Highest. And this is just a, a, a devotional that spoke to me uh, here this, this last week. 
and uh, from this passage of John chapter 4, and I believe it's very, very uh, significant in what we've been uh, going through on Sunday mornings to bridge the gap from someone who's troubled as a Christian trying to minister to a lost and dying world during Christmas time. It says this, The well is deep and a great deal deeper than the Samaritan woman knew. Think of the depths of human nature, of human life. Think of the depths of the wells in you. Have you been impoverishing the ministry of Jesus so that he cannot do anything? Suppose there is a well of fathomless trouble inside your heart, and Jesus comes and says, Let not your heart be troubled. And you shrug your shoulders and say, But Lord, the well is deep. You cannot draw up quietness and comfort out of it. No, he will bring them down from above. Jesus does not bring anything up from the wells of human nature. We limit the Holy One of Israel by remembering what we have allowed him to do and by remembering what we have allowed him to do for us in the past and by saying, of course, I cannot expect God to do this thing. The thing that taxes almightiness is the very thing which as disciples of Jesus we ought to believe he will do. We impoverish his ministry the moment we forget he is almighty. The impoverishment is in us, not in him. We will come to Jesus as comforter or sympathizer, but we will not come to him as almighty. And that truly can be the case in our life when we, when we don't allow him to, to help us to experience his peace and his joy. The reason some of us are such poor specimens of Christianity is because we have no almighty Christ. We have Christian attributes and experiences, but there is no abandonment to Jesus Christ. When we get into difficult circumstances, we impoverish his ministry by saying, of course, he cannot do anything. We, and we struggle down to the, deep, to, to the deeps and try to get the water for ourselves. Beware of the satisfaction of sinking back and saying, it can't be done. You know it can be done if you look to Jesus. The well of your incompleteness is deep, but make the effort and look away to him. I hope you understood that sometimes it takes me a couple times, a few times of reading it to fully understand it. But do you get what he's saying? I can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. Yeah. And really, nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible when God is part of the equation. And really, when you come to Jesus Christ with your incompleteness and realize that you've been trying to dig out of an empty well and trying to dig out of yourself, that peace, that joy, that love that's to be shown at Christmas time, you realize that it's all then been a mask that you've been trying to conjure up instead of the reality of Jesus Christ working through you. You say, why do we focus on this here tonight? Two reasons, I believe, why Jesus has led me to, to, to speak on this tonight is that, number one, you can't truly remember the Lord's table tonight. You can't have communion, if I can use that word, by going through the motions. In order to, to remember the Lord's table, you, you must remember truth. 
the truth that God imparts his love, his joy, and his peace to you in the fullest way possible when he gave his son to die for your sins. And that has to come to a life. If one is to have communion with his God at that moment, one has to then let down the walls and allow the love and the peace and the joy of God to come in and to to dwell in him so that he can then show it. The second thing is we're going to pray here tonight. We're going to take some time to pray together as a church. And one cannot truly intercede until until the reality of the redemption has actually touched their life. We, we, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by the reality of the redemption touching someone's life? The reality of the redemption touching someone's life means that they stop believing the lie that because of this thing, person, condition, circumstance, that they can somehow never experience the fullness of God's joy, peace, and love ever again for the rest of as long as they live here on this earth. What else does it mean? It means we take off the mask. Everything seems okay on the outside, but we need to take off the mask and allow God's light to actually pierce our troubled soul. We need to allow God to fill our wells from above, and we need to allow God then to draw out of them and to meet other people's needs that are longing to see the peace, the joy, and the love of God this Christmas season. When we don't do this, when we try to do it ourselves, what we end up doing is our our prayers are no longer intercession. We end up only sympathizing with an unsaved world. We we end up, because of of being empty and lacking the, the peace and the joy of God, we seem to have nothing to pray for and we and nothing to give to other people as we celebrate this christmas time god's word is clear he says let not your heart be troubled and tonight you have a you have an opportunity to be quiet to be still before him and to allow his love and his peace and his joy to to fill that well that needs to be filled here tonight and I trust that as we continue to study through some of these reasons for our justification or these results of our justification, the reasons that we celebrate Christmas and the reason that we should be of all people uh, most joyful at Christmas time, that, that the Lord will minister to your heart. So with that, I'm, I'm going to ask Dave to, to come and we're going to focus here tonight on the Lord's table.